you're probably going to go on vacation again in your life. And it would be nice to know what's happening. Maybe there is a big trigger. Maybe there's a particular food that you eat on vacation, not at home. Like, wouldn't you like to know? Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 145 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I'm tuning in with my sister, Lauren. Hi, Renee. This is Lauren tuning in from Maryland today. Hello, hello. Just the babes today. We haven't done an episode, just the two of us in a while. So we have a lot to catch up on some of the latest trends. We wanted to share some case study wins that we've seen over the past couple months. Some of the current biohacks we're trying, the latest things we're reading and learning. And then of course, we are going to answer the questions that we uh, received over Instagram. So thanks for sending those in. We're going to do our best to cover as many as we can today, but should be just a fun conversation with the babes today. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. Where do we even begin? Oh my goodness. Let's start with some case studies. Lauren, do you want to share maybe like a win you've had or like a big takeaway you've seen recently with a client? Yeah. I'll kind of group them all into one. I'll just share some trends that I've been seeing. And I think sometimes I'm hesitant to show these or share them because I look at this stuff all the time. And so I think it's common, but uh, when I zoom out, I realize it's good for us to hear this again and again, or maybe you've never heard this before. A trend that I've been seeing a lot of over the last six months of really diving deep into the levels, glucose CGM data is that when people go on vacation, they have really stable glucose. Whoa. And it's amazing because I have so many clients that, you know, these sensors only last 14 days and then you have to take it out. You have to replace the sensor. And I want to say nine out of 10 times, a client will say, I'm going to go on vacation. So I'm not going to put my new sensor in. I don't want to know, you know, I'm going to allow myself to eat anything and drink anything and just let loose, which is so valid. Please enjoy yourself on vacation. You absolutely should, you know, with the caveat that what happens when you come back? Is that going to totally take you out of your health and wellness journey, maybe away from the hard work that you've put in? We certainly can get derailed on vacation. I think that's a really personal roadmap that you have to assess and create for yourself. Like what happens if you totally get off? Is it hard to get back on track? Nevertheless, a lot of people don't want to track because they're afraid of what they're going to see on vacation. But for the clients that do keep their glucose monitors in, in their arms, almost always we see the glucose trends are super stable no matter where they go. If it's a Caribbean island and you know eating and drinking whatever, or if it's in Europe, eating lots of pots, pasta, drinking wine, eating gelato, whatever it is, the commonality is that it's really stable. So why is that? And no, I'm not going to just give you a clear-cut answer because one, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> and two, I want to empower our audience. I want to empower all of you to be curious And really try to figure this out for yourselves. Because one, I think it's a personalized answer. It's not going to be the same for everybody. But I'll just give you some clues. What happens when you're on vacation? You're generally, hopefully, away from work. Um, You're outdoors more. So natural light exposure. Probably some grounding, especially if you're at the beach, right? Feet on the sand, maybe in the ocean. You're getting lots of negative ions. Maybe you're in a a city, so you could be walking around Europe, but still you're probably outdoors more, which we know is good for circadian rhythm. We know it's good for stress, rebalancing the nervous system. So I think in general, what we see is more parasympathetic activation as opposed to being at home, our normal schedules, stress, work, kids, all the things that are thrown at us, taxes, that time. (laughs) Yeah. Taxes and monopoly. (laughs) (laughs) So stressful. Yeah. So stressful. Um, We're also spending a lot more time indoors. So we get 
indoor light pollution. You know, I think that stress bucket, the list of items on that list is pretty long. So we can just say in general that we have less stress from all these different inputs on vacation. Now that's really, really important to glucose because when we're measuring glucose, it's not just our response to foods. It's our response to stress and to sleep and to light and hydration and movement. So that adds up to a lot of stability. So for any of you that are afraid to wear your CGM on vacation, I actually encourage you to maybe see what that looks like because one, you're probably going to go on vacation again in your life. And it would be nice to know what's happening. Maybe there is a big trigger. Maybe there's a particular food that you eat on vacation, not at home. Like, would, wouldn't you like to know? Also, I think it's really empowering to see how the nervous system plays such a huge role in your glucose metabolism. It also plays a huge role in fat metabolism. We know the nervous system is a major, major variable here. It's not just calories in and calories out. And if you listen to us, you already know that. So many other factors, um, including like your toxic load. I think that would put that in the stress category. Anyways, I don't have a very clear cut answer as to all of the scientific mechanisms behind that, but I did read a, a kind of an interesting study about Uh, there was an animal model where they exposed them to light, direct light right into their eyes, which then uh, caused a flood of parasympathetic activation and their glucose levels went down. And then they did the opposite. There was absence of light. There was darkness. And I don't know what time of day this was. That was Renee's question. Like what's the circadian rhythm effect that was not involved in this model. But when they exposed them to darkness, there was a sympathetic response and glucose levels went up. Now, I think I don't think it's as clear cut as that, like black and white. But again, parasympathetic activity tends to be pretty favorable on glucose. So the real question is, how do we bring more vacation back into our everyday lives? Not so simple when you come back. Of course, you're gonna have to work. Of course, you have to take care of kids. There's gonna be things thrown at you. But I think one big thing, and we already talked about this on podcast, getting as much natural light exposure and balancing your indoor to outdoor light as much as possible. We all have so much more indoor light. We spend more time indoors. We're sitting a lot. So I would say more light exposure, more movement, and then anything that's going to strengthen your parasympathetic nervous system, breath work. We've been talking about that more and more on the show. And maybe what kind of breath work do you like for your personal physiology or meditation? What is it that can bring you into a parasympathetic state? Anything you would add to that, Renee? No, I mean, that's really, really fascinating. It's just making me think. I wish back when I went to Europe, when I did that big trip to Europe, I wish I had a CGM because I did eat my way through Italy and France (laughs) and lots of pizza and pasta and red wine and all of that. And I didn't gain any weight, which is interesting. But like you were saying, I was definitely outdoors more. I got lots of sunshine. I was also walking like 12 to 15,000 steps a day. So what, how probably even more, I would think. Yeah. I, I remember one day I was in Barcelona and literally like my feet were bleeding. I was like, oh my God, because we had walked miles and miles. But I wonder what the impact of all that walking was on my glucose. That would have been cool to see. So I think, yeah, if you have the opportunity to wear a CGM on vacation, I think you could learn a lot about that. Yeah. So that's, I think that would be the next study. If your feet are bleeding, is your glucose low? Does that count as a pasta giada or is that over overboard? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, steps are huge. Pasta giada is huge. And hopefully more of you are taking advantage of that now that we have more light exposure in the evening. This is a fabulous way to bring down your glucose. Anyways, I don't think the answer is simple. And I, but thank you for offering that Renee. Obviously vacation is a special time. Everyday work life at home is, can be challenging. But maybe just start to think about what variables from vacation can you just integrate a little bit more? And I think lots of different inputs can kind of add up over time. Yeah. And I would assume more people are probably sleeping more on vacation. Certainly if you're doing like some intense hiking vacation through the mountains, I don't know, maybe you're not, well, you're probably grounding a lot, but maybe you're not sleeping as much. But yeah, certainly if you're sleeping longer, and then sometimes I see people actually increase their fasting window on vacation. Because like you, you'll sleep in a little bit, so instead of your seven a.m. breakfast is now a ten a.m. brunch. You know, maybe you're not eating as late at night because you're not in the kitchen snacking. I'm sure there's so many yeah. there's so many variables, but oh my gosh, amazing points! Thank you for saying that. Yes, yeah, sleep is huge. 
I always choose sleep over waking up early to do something that might benefit my health because sleep is always going to be a, a, a bigger needle mover. Like they've done studies on people that set the alarm clock earlier so they can wake up and do that intense workout. And they've found that it doesn't actually make up for the increase in metabolism or the strength in your metabolism just by sleeping more. Right. Yeah. So sleep on vacation, amazing point. And the fasting windows. I know I've given clients some fasting, I guess, frameworks for vacation because they're maybe worried about eating things they wouldn't normally eat or eating more. So it's like, let's shorten the feeding window. And they're like, well, actually we'd probably do that anyways. Like I'm probably not going to eat normal or like fasting tends to just be normal on vacation. So yeah. 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 I think if, because usually if you're on vacation, you're eating out, you're eating bigger meals than at home. So if you can do two meals instead of three meals, you can still go out and enjoy yourself, but you're just cutting out one meal. I mean, who needs three big meals on vacation? Most people do not. Yeah. So. Yeah. And then that kind of strengthens the point about um, the reduced feeding windows or like time restricted feeding, which is so interesting that New York times article came out. Was that last week? And it was like, there's yeah. no point to time restricted feeding. I'm like, let's see the study. Let's see all the variables here. Sure. You line it up with like obese people that are probably not eating nutritious foods. Um, you can pretty much create any outcome you want there. But, but I think where TRE really works for people is just the compliancy. Like sometimes people just need something to stick to. And we right. get that on vacation, a compressed feeding window. Yeah. Very so, cool. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. So I guess the takeaway is bring a little vacation back with you. Easier said yes. than done, but there's little things you can do. Yeah. Okay. Second big thing that I'm seeing is I, I'm always working on creating more carb tolerance with clients. A lot of people come, they're like, I can't even eat a blueberry without spiking. Okay. Well, I don't think that we have been designed to not ever eat a berry ever. Unless, you know, you could have a sensitivity to it and maybe that's driven by microbiome, bacterial inputs, but I would argue that we should be able to eat everything. Yes, there are always going to be some arguments within that. You should be able to eat carbs. You should be able to eat fat. You should be able to eat protein. So with a carb intolerance, there's something that we need to look at. There's some kind of stressor that needs some awareness. And again, this is not the only answer, but one way to reset a carb tolerance is to do a little bit of fasting or move towards a more ketogenic. And I know that's a scary word for a lot of people, but at least decreasing your carbs. It doesn't have to be to that threshold of 20 grams or less, but maybe just decreasing to 75 grams, or maybe it's 50 grams, depending on what your normal activity levels are, what you're used to, what your metabolic type is, lots involved there. But sometimes just decreasing that total intake of carbs over a, you know, let's say a five-day window we could potentially reset the carb tolerance. And I've had a few clients where this has happened so clearly too in the last month or two, brought their carbs down and then say Easter comes, and that was a commonality in a few people. Easter comes, they eat a fabulous Easter brunch. There are sweets, there are alcohol, there's alcohol. And what happens? Oh my gosh, I didn't spike like I used to. Or I spiked, but it wasn't sharp going up, wasn't sharp coming down. Maybe I had a pretty hefty excursion, but I went up slowly and kind of came down slowly, which to me is a reflection of your system, not being that stressed, right? With the glucose excursions, when we see visually, it's straight up, straight down. That is stressful to the body. So that's why Dr. Casey means who we had on twice now always says like the, the rolling Hills, we want it to be nice and even absence of stress. So anyways, that was a really cool takeaway for a few clients recently. We're like, oh my gosh, I can tolerate more carbs just by on other days, restricting the carbs. And of course it's different for everyone, whether it's keto or employing some fasting strategies, or maybe just building some awareness around how many carbs you're eating. Sometimes people just have absolutely no idea. That's why we always recommend doing some food journaling, some tracking just for short term. Yeah. I mean, I think carbs in general, like what is low carb? What is high carb? It it is. It's unless you're tracking, you really don't know. Like your low carb might look like 200 grams. You just have no idea because you're not tracking it. So you really, yeah, definitely want to be tracking. And I would just add on to that. Something that I've seen lately is really implementing carb cycling for women specifically 
I know we talk about this a lot on the show, like following your cycle and women are just reporting back like, wow, this is so much easier. Mm -hmm. And the weight is coming off at like a good, slow, steady pace. And they're allowing carbs certain times of the month, not other times. So seeing some big wins there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I guess just one more thing. Oh gosh. Before we talk this to death, um, for women that are doing the carb cycling for the man in your life, you have a partner, you could do it with the female because men should have that variability as well. And so, because women kind of have to do it based on our hormones, it would be advised for the partner to maybe just match that. And you can create some variability in your own diet that is not based on hormones, just based on supporting your partner and having some accountability. Right. And I mean, that just gets back to the metabolic flexibility principle that we should be able to burn carbs for fuel and burn fat for fuel. And we should be able to switch back and forth. And that cycling allows you to tap into that versus, Mm -hmm. you know, most of us grew up on just burning carbs and glucose for energy all day long, but we need to teach our body how to burn fat. That's how humans survive. We need to be able to tap into that fat reserve. Yeah, totally. What about you, Renee? Any client wins? Um, one more I would add in, I think I mentioned this on another podcast recently, but, um, a client, I did a Dutch panel and a GI map. I love doing that combination. I can just see so much about someone's body without them even telling me anything. But when I'm reviewing labs and putting together some, some nutrition plans, sometimes it takes me some days or weeks. And so I always like to like give them one or two things, focus on this while I get everything else intact. And so for her, I saw like lots of chronic stress in the body, gut inflammation, but one marker that really jumped out at me was she had a high anti-gliadin IgA on her GI map, which is looking at the antibodies produced by the body in response to gliadin, which is found in wheat products. So that was like her only homework. I'm like, just get off of wheat, get off of gluten until I get everything ready. She reported back, I think it was five days later. And she's like, my brain fog is gone. My infl- or my energy is better. I'm losing weight like so fast. And so my point of bringing that up is just, I think lab testing and seeing data can be so empowering for us to make those changes that are really going to move the needle, right? I mean, we've seen some patients where like, let's try gluten-free, let's just see if it makes a difference. And like, it doesn't really move the needle, right? Maybe they're not having that gut issue. Maybe there's no genetic factors, maybe physical activity is high enough, different things that would contribute to that. So, um, that was pretty cool to see that. Always, always happy to see a win like that. Data for the win. And that's so much more motivating than just trying to educate someone about how gluten is probably triggering and inflammatory to most people, but that's not enough. Yeah. Right. Not enough. Yeah. Right. Awesome. All right. Should we move into some current biohacks? Sure. What are you doing, Nays? So my newest one is the Lumen, which Lauren, I know you have played around with. So actually this is a great segue because the Lumen is actually measuring for metabolic flexibility. It's this little device that connects to your phone and you breathe into it. And it is measuring whether you are burning carbs for fuel or fat for fuel. So it gives you this like cute little scale one to five. I think one is burning fat, five is burning carbs, and then you can be anywhere in the middle. So I've only been using it a couple of days. It's so (laughs) cute. Um, I got to keep experimenting with it. I, I know that this technology is growing rapidly. And I know there's another device coming on the market soon that maybe will be even more accurate, which I think again is so empowering because if you can eat a meal and then an hour later, see, am I burning fat or carbs? And you can learn whether that meal is ideal for you or not. And also when you're fasting, you know, obviously the longer we're fasting, we're hopefully pushing more into that nutritional ketosis and burning fat. But if we're not measuring, we don't know. Um, so the breath is a really powerful way to to see what's happening there. So I think some potential with this technology. What's been yeah. your experience with Lumen? I didn't use it consistently enough the first time around. I, I fell victim to trying too many hacks at once. Okay. We've all I fell at the wrong time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt like it just really needed my undivided attention and I was doing a few other experiments at the time. So I'm trying to set aside time that I can just dedicate to that and really track and line it up with my cycle syncing. Uh, I just didn't run clear experimentation before, but it was kind of fun to to track the differences like before and after exercise, um, after a fasting day, I did see some fluctuations, but not enough experimentation for me to really have some big takeaways just yet. Got it. Yeah. I can see that app being very 
time consuming. I mean, I just was scrolling through. I mean, you can put what you're eating, how you felt. You can even order food through the app. Like I saw you can get grass-fed meat. Yeah. And it'll, it'll recommend based off of if you're more of a carb burner, here's the macros you should do. And here's a meal plan that you can order and have the food shipped to your house. So that's pretty Love it. Yeah. Love that. And then another new one I just got, it's called the Vivo. So this is a stick that um, is measuring urine. You literally just pee on the stick. You wait two minutes and then you take a picture with your phone through the app and it measures all these different things in your urine. Uh, Hydration, pH, ketones, nitrites, uh, kidney health, liver health, magnesium, calcium, vitamin C, and then oxidative stress. A lot. I want to look more at the scientific research and take a deeper dive into this. But again, potential for someone to just pee on a stick every morning and say, what do I need to do differently today? Just mm. through your phone. It's pretty wild. Wait, so you have already used it? Yes. I just got it a couple of days ago. So I can't I don't, wait to learn more. Yeah. It said my liver was like 10 out of 10. I was like, oh, that's surprising. <laughs> Good job, liver. Love that liver. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's an exciting one. We'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. And then another one we're both doing. So Viome, we've talked about this on the show before. So this is a test that's looking at your gut microbiome. Uh, It's different than other stool analysis on the market, but it spits out a report of your superfoods, foods you should moderate, foods you should avoid. And we've done this a couple of times before, but the newest part here is now they're creating a personalized supplement regimen based off of your results. So Lauren and I are both doing this. Um, it's cool because it, they send you little packets of almost like a multivitamin kind of thing, but it's all personalized. I mean, and it's amazing what they can fit into eight capsules a day. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, it's a prebiotic, probiotic blend, depending on what you need. So I'm only two weeks into it, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow that for three months and then retest and see if certain markers have improved. And then from there, they would change the supplements. hmm Yeah. I'm a fan of the supplement packaging. I can't say, you know, with stool PCR testing, we know there's some degree of mm, inaccuracy. It's not the most clinically validated test out there and we can have varying results based on, you know, what you, sorry, dropped in the toilet that day. (laughs) But what I really like about Viome is the list of foods, the superfoods versus avoid foods. And I really resonated with that list a lot. And I, you know, I tell clients all the time that food diversity is really important because microbes rule the world. And so if you're eating the same thing over and over again, you're not getting a diverse array of microbes. And I fall victim to this. Like I love carrots. I eat a crap ton of carrots and the vegetables that I eat are just sort of on repeat. And I know there is just like a plethora of beautiful things out there. Um, so it was a really great motivation for me to one, just cut back on those things I was eating all the time and try to incorporate some new vegetables in my life. So I am a vegetable inclusionist at this point, and I fully support, you know, kind of rotating and, and, and just trying like really avoiding the avoid list and really leaning into the superfoods list. And like you said, Renee, the supplements just are so easy. So you have the option to either buy their supplements, or I guess you could go through the list and kind of pick and choose, but man, they make it so easy. And I think supplement compliancy is just really, really a hard thing. And they put it in one little pack. The probiotic pack is like a slim little packet. The regular supplement pack is, it could fit in your, anything could fit in your pocket easily. So I just think for sticking to your supplement regimen, because I know I have trouble with that with clients. I'm like, leave it on the counter. They're like, it was on the counter. I still forgot to take it. <laughs> yeah, because then you just see it every day and it just is like becomes part of your kitchen. You it does. It. So then it's like set <laughs> yeah. an alarm in your phone and on the fourth day and move it. So you re-trigger that stimulus and see it again. <laughs> yeah. It's so years, complicated. It's and I mean, yeah. mine had mine has 48 ingredients in it. Yeah. You would never be able to dump out all those supplements. And then it's like, how many vegetable capsules are you putting through your digestive system? So right. Yeah. For ease, I think it's a hundred percent worth it. All right. Go via. And we'll uh, keep you posted on our retesting. Yes. So 
Last on this list, I've been playing around with Earth and Moon, the grounding mat. We just did a giveaway for Earth and Moon, so I'm sure you already heard a little bit about it. If you happen to miss that, you can check out the show notes. Earth and Moon, they made this amazing grounding mat. It's a really, really thin mat that you just plug into the outlet of your wall. It essentially brings nature inside. So we know the power of grounding. And they have developed this technology that connects to the earth while you're inside. And I love it because I can travel with it. I just spent a week in DC in a hotel room and I had incredible sleep there. I do tend to sleep a little bit better in hotel rooms because I can really control the temperature. I can just make it super, super cold in there. And generally there's blackout curtains. So temperature and light are usually really dialed in, but there's always some other. I guess, unexpected outliers there that could disrupt your sleep. And I slept with the grounding mat underneath my pillow and I slept fantastic. I mean, I can't say that that was definitely the thing that did it, but it was certainly a commonality there. And you can put it lots of different places. You can put it, sometimes I stand on it while I'm at my standing desk. Sometimes I sit on it when I'm sitting in the chair at my desk. You can put it under your computer. It's really thin, really light really easy to travel with and pretty much carry around your house or wherever you're traveling. So highly recommend you check out Earth and Moon. They've made grounding super easy. That's great. I'm glad that technology is getting better to make grounding easier. Some of the old ones were like such a pain to hook up and everything. So yeah, I mean, it will never be going outside. Please keep going outside. (laughs) But you know, if you're stuck to your Zoom calls back to back, it's a nice little hack. Right. (laughs) Moving on. We're going to talk about what we're reading currently. Renee, what's your stack of books look like? Yeah. So I'm kind of on this kick of anti-aging, longevity, precision medicine. So I just finished The Science and Technology of Growing Young by Sergey Young. This book was so good. I flew through it. Um, Yeah. I I mean, I would love to get him on the podcast. So if he's listening. Manifest. Yeah. I mean, not to like spend too much time on it, but it just really cool to see where the technology is taking us for, for longevity purposes. Um, he talks a lot about like the ethical dilemma as well of like what happens if we start living longer and have improved lifespan or health span. So he, he gets into the pros and cons of all this, but I think one big takeaway he said is if you are younger than the age of 60 today, you are going to see a dramatic shift in the next 20 years for longevity. Mm. So 20 years is kind of the window he's giving where it's going to be like game changer things happening. I mean, as far as, you know, organ transplants, stem cell therapy, peptides, I mean, it's just going to be exponential. And also he's really big on collecting data. So obviously we're big proponents of lab testing and using things like the aura ring, but he says that is also going to be exponential because of the technology, how rapidly it's growing, but being able to do like a full body scan every morning when you wake up to see what's going on in my body, like everything that you would need to know. So it's not just like go and get your colonoscopy once a year and do that kind of stuff. It's going to be at home, everything in your pocket. So that's kind of cool. So I'm I, assuming they're going to make it affordable and accessible because anti-aging is kind of a luxury thing right now. So I'm assuming yes. as well. Yeah. So that, that is a big thing too, that the price is going to come down. I mean, he talks about some therapies in the book that, I mean, they're already out there and available, but they're $200,000 to do that. It's like, well, who's going to mm-hmm. pay for that? So yes, yeah. it will over time bring the price down, which is great because it'll be, you know, better, greater access for everyone. So I highly recommend that book. And then the one I just started, which kind of segues into what I just said is the life force book by Tony Robbins, very same topic, but the book is, I would say twice as thick. So it's going to take me a little bit longer to get through, but they're setting up these longevity centers around the country that again, is going to give access to more of these tools. Mm. That's my kick. That's the key word. We need access. More access. (laughs) let everybody in. Yeah. And I think also just, I think focusing more on health span is a good goal because again, like lifespan, I mean, what are we going to do if everyone's walking around at 300 years old on this planet? You know, there's going to be a lot of other problems with that, but if we can get our health span to be, you know, we were healthy until our last minute on planet earth, that's what we want. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So it's okay if I only make it to 90, but I want to be like, I always say skiing until I'm 90 or something, you know, that's Hell the goal. Yeah. So that's what I'm yep. reading. I want to be jumping out of a plane. Yeah. I'm sure you Hasta will be. La Vista, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Lauren? What are you reading lately? Oh, well, I'm really jealous about your advancement in these longevity books because they're all sitting on my desk, but I've had to read quite a few books for my third wave course. So um, I've been deep into the personal growth books like Path of Least Resistance, which I've already talked about in the show. I just got through Radical Awakening, which is a massive resource for female empowerment and understanding societal and cultural conditioning around just emotions, thoughts, feelings, guilt, shame, all the things that we feel as women and, and trying to deprogram those. So that was a lot of fun. And I'm really deep into some coursework with my friend, Brendan Vermeyer, who maybe you recognize his name because he's been on the show before he came on to talk about mental health. He, oh my gosh, his brain. I don't even understand. His brain is gold. He has so much to offer. He's so smart. So if you are a practitioner or a health coach listening, I highly recommend checking out his coursework. He, so he used to work for FDN, which is where I got my original functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, well, mouthful certification back in 2011. So he did a lot of the content for FDN. So I've been learning from him for a long time now, but he branched off and started his own company called Metabolic Solutions. And he trains practitioners and doctors. A lot of doctors take his courses. Um, So if you are a practitioner and want to take a deep dive, especially into mental health, which I think is of major importance right now, after the last two years, we're seeing this, you know, explosion into, uh, no, I guess explosion of awareness (laughs) about mental illness, but also an increase in mental illness. Um, this would be a great deep dive for you. And I think I'm really excited to integrate it with my third wave course because third wave is all about preparation integration around plant medicines, which is awesome because we need the spiritual deep dive. We need the frameworks. We have to look at our mental, emotional health. But as Brennan says, there's no amount of talk therapy that can get you out of a a pro-inflammatory condition. And that's really what mental health or mental illness is. It's a pro-inflammatory condition. So it's really, really important to take a deep dive into your health and these biomarkers that he looks at. He created this lab test called the mental map. Really, really awesome. And I'm so excited to be able to start offering it to my clients, but it's looking at all of these inflammatory patterns in the body. And if you have mental illness, like no amount of therapy or spiritual awakening is going to put out the fire in your inflammation. So anyways, I'm highly enjoying that. Brendan is a wealth of information and you can check out the show notes if you're interested in checking out his courses. So he does a lot on mental health. He has a a mold, several mold courses, blood chemistry, methylation, and forgetting some, but so much, so much to dig into. Yeah. I definitely want you to run that test on me. You'll have to teach me more. Yes. Gladly. What's up, biohackers? We have some really exciting news for you today. Our friends over at Bioptimizers have done it again. They've just released their new and improved formula for Magnesium Breakthrough, the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. This product was already amazing, and you've probably heard us rave about it before, but Bioptimizers has continued to research and improve it. This new fourth-generation formula means Magnesium Breakthrough is now even more potent and effective for reducing stress, improving sleep, boosting energy levels. And if you've already taken Magnesium Breakthrough before, you'll want to try the new formula as soon as you can because it now includes cofactors like vitamin B6 and manganese, and these are really helpful with the absorption of magnesium. And if you've never tried Magnesium Breakthrough before, then now's the perfect time to try it. So Here's what you need to know about magnesium. Two really important reasons to take it. First, magnesium is involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions. Yes, you heard me correctly, 80%. And second, about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium. I mean, there's many reasons why that's happening, but you can see that it's a much bigger problem than most people even think. When you don't get enough magnesium, you suffer from poor sleep, low energy, higher stress levels. 
all these things that we don't want, right? So in every bottle of Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll actually get seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium. And these can help you sleep longer and deeper, reduce those stress levels, help you feel more calm, and really give you that abundant all-day energy that all of us want, right? And also because it supports mental wellness, Magnesium Breakthrough can help you to finally feel like yourself again. So simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and we think you'll be pretty amazed by the improvements in your mood and your energy and your sleep. Hopefully you're going to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to go for the day. So Bioptimizers is kind enough to give our listeners an exclusive offer, and we will put all of this information in today's show notes, but go to www.magmag breakthrough.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use code biohackerbabes at checkout because that will actually get you 10% off. Plus you'll get free shipping. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay. Last part of this podcast, we're going to tap into some questions. Thank you so much. If you wrote in some questions, we got a lot, so we won't be able to cover everything today, but we'll kind of go through some of the top trending questions. And if we didn't get to your question today, we will at some point. Number uno is my HRV. Oh, we've heard this before. My HRV isn't quote unquote low, but my normal seems much lower than others. How can I improve it? Okay. First of all, thank you for acknowledging that it's not quote unquote low because low is personal to you. So we know you've been listening and doing your research. But sure, your normal could be lower than others, and maybe there's an opportunity to bring it up. This is a really personalized equation, so we'll just throw out some things that I've seen that have helped clients. Uh, Cold exposure, for one, I've seen deliberate cold exposure. The next day, there's this rebound in the nervous system that really uh, seems to bring up HRV. So if you haven't tried cold exposure, go for it. You can do it. cold queen. Um, exercise timing is always a big one. I think know your sleep chronotype, which may give you some advice on where to put your exercise, but also just play around with it. Are you exercising too early or exercising too late too much? Um, are you doing too much of the same thing over and over again? You know, lots of variables there. Just play. Another thing, binaural beats and light therapy. We've been talking a lot about brain tap. Hopefully you heard our episode with Dr. Patrick Porter. Brain tap is an amazing device that creates heart coherence. So that means bringing your brain, your heart brain, and your gut brain all into sync, which has a powerful effect on the nervous system. And um, we've seen a drastic increases in HRV. They were doing some testing at the Biohacking Congress. And of course, they were testing all biohackers, which for the most part had higher HRVs, but Um, They were seeing, even in people that had strong HRVs, a boost in HRV after one session of brain tap. And we know anything that you do consistently, you get even better results. So after one session, I think it's pretty powerful. Uh, Eating dinner earlier. I know it's hard. I don't always do it. And if you have a family, if you work late, but just consider what you're eating. And if you can't eat earlier, maybe just eat a lighter dinner. And also consider how much protein you're eating because protein can stimulate cortisol. I know we've been conditioned to not eat carbs at night, but we need carbs because it stimulates the release of tryptophan, which then turns into serotonin, which then turns into melatonin. Yes, your body can make melatonin. And it, of course, also needs darkness, not too much light stimulation into the eyes, but we can help this process along by not eating too much protein and by really leaning into the carbs. I promise you'll sleep a little bit better and your HRV will probably go up the next day. Yeah. All great hacks for that. Yeah. I, something else I would add in is, you know, grounding or, you know, PEMF therapy. Something that I have noticed really moves the needle for my HRV is I'll combine my brain tap with a PEMF mat that actually is measuring HRV during the session. So it is what go back. What is this mat? The IMRS. Oh yeah. Yes. So you put the little finger thing on and it's measuring your heart rate and therefore your heart rate variability. And then it's giving off different frequencies or fields, energetic fields based off of your current HRV. So I do that with my brain tap and I'll do like the aura measurement where you can see how, what you just did changes and I'll see an improvement there. And then something coming really soon. That's going to be exciting in the HRV world is the Hanu health device. 
If you missed our episode with Dr. Jay Wiles a couple of weeks ago, definitely go back and listen to that because, because that's going to be using breath work with HRV biofeedback. So we're going to see that real-time data of HRV improvement. And yes, I again, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be- I can't wait for some surprises. And yes, I want surprises. I want to know something I don't already know. Yeah. It's going to be like the CGM of heart rate variability. It's a great analogy. But that Truly. way. Yeah. You said yeah. something else. It reminded me. I don't know. I'll come back to it in case I remember. But um, lots of things to play around with. Oh, Aura Ring. Yeah. You can do, do the timeout. What do they call it on Aura Ring? They have the meditations. Wow. Yeah. Well, under Explore. Under the Explore under tab. Explore. Yeah. And you can do different You can do a tracks. meditation. You have to be still, but it will measure your HRV. And if you you know take it long enough of a timeout, then it can actually improve your readiness. I'm sure if you're an Aura Ring user, you've experienced that. If not, check it out. Definitely improve HRV. So we hope that was helpful. Great. And so another question we got, oh, a lot of questions within this question, I think. So asking about chronic fatigue syndrome patients that are also showing positive for Epstein-Barr virus, herpes, cytomegalovirus. Uh, what can you do about it? I think this is kind of a can of worms we could open up, but I would say number one, work with a coach or a practitioner that specializes in chronic fatigue or self-infections. I think find someone that can really create a personalized program for you. But I think within that testing options are great. You know, PCR testing is available and that's looking for the DNA of infections in the blood. So number one is like, do you, are these actually a problem for you? So do that kind of testing. There's also serology testing, which is actually looking at the immune system's response to these infections. So I think just getting like the foundation of, is it really a problem? What's going on in your body? That would be step one. There are lots of different antiviral protocols. Again, I think it needs to be a bio-individual approach here. Um, some of the things that like for me with Epstein-Barr, like liposomal cat's claw, who knew game changer for me with my, anytime I've had an Epstein-Barr flare up. Um, like also, cats. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> appropriate. I think I was a cat in a past life or something. Cause I, <laughs> I resonate with it also. And more specifically for herpes, like lysine, lemon balm, um, Lauren, you know, so much about the amp coil and the power of that to help, because I think anytime you do have a viral load that you're dealing with, the more your body can be in that parasympathetic state where it's getting tapping into that innate intelligence of being able to heal itself. That is mm -hmm. really important. That's where the amp coil can come in. If you want to share anything about that. Yeah. So, uh, Freddie Kimmel is a great resource and we've had him on twice now, but he works for amp coil and this is an amazing device that uses Tesla technology and PEMF. And the idea is that our bodies have frequencies and each organ has a specific frequency. And to be in good health or homeostasis, we want to be at our optimal resonant frequencies. And viruses have a specific resonant frequency, which then pull the body out of homeostasis. So we can support our optimal frequencies using this device which then supports the natural healing abilities of the body. So we're not actually just eradicating, but we're supporting the body's natural ability to heal in this state. So if this is new to you, go back and listen to our episodes with Freddie Kimmel or follow Freddie Kimmel, not or, and follow Freddie Kimmel because he's a wealth of knowledge about this. But I've had a lot of success with the amp coil in dealing with viruses and self-infection. So that's all I'll say for now. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw one book recommendation out there. This was really helpful for me when I was dealing with the chronic fatigue issues. Uh, it's called Fix Your Fatigue by Dr. Evan Hirsch. He, I think he's out of Washington state and he does see patients virtually. So if you do need a reference there, um, I really like his approach because he does a deep dive into self-infections, also like heavy metals, but nutrition, fitness, sleep, like all the foundational stuff but he kind of has like a next level approach to chronic fatigue. So definitely check that book out. Yeah. I'm glad you said heavy metals because huge consideration there that not a, a lot of us have turned our attention to. And I don't think a lot of traditional doctors are bringing awareness to that, but major consideration for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we got another fun question here. How or when or and when <laughs> did you both get interested in health and wellness for a lifestyle or as a profession? 
Oh, well, I feel like you have the best story for this. Me? Yeah. Oh. What, what dad's in Friday dad's night? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. My Friday night essence. I know. I'll never forget this. Yeah. I guess my journey, uh, so, well, I did my undergrad degree in international business and I have to say like all through high school and college, I was that kid that was like, yes, I know exactly what I want to do with my life. I picked my <laughs> degree. I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> And when people would be like, your undergrad doesn't really matter. You'll change. I was like, no, there's no way. <laughs> so I graduated and uh, Lauren, you've heard the story a million times, but I, I mean, I got my dream job out of college at an international trade firm. And uh, two weeks in, I was like, I hate this. I am not the type <laughs> to sit in an office cubicle nine to five, Monday to Friday. And it, I just wasn't passionate about it. And so kind of while I was trying to figure it out, I was still dancing professionally at the time. And I started studying nutrition just for fun. I just got really interested in it. I mean, we grew up with mom and dad being in holistic health. And I think as we got older, they kind of started to drip a little bit more into eating organic and eating whole foods. But I kind of got away from that in college. So after college, I started revisiting that. And so I was just reading books and listening to podcasts on the weekend and, um, went to mom and dad for advice. I was like, I don't know what to do for a living now. I'm totally lost. And dad says to me, well, what is your Friday night essence? And I had never heard that before. And he, it's apparently what would you do for fun on a Friday night? I mean, other than going out with your friends, right. Um, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, I like to read nutrition books. And he says, well, there's your answer. So then I went back, got my master's in nutrition and we all as a family did the Czech holistic lifestyle coach program and just got really into it. I mean, in the beginning, it was more to learn for myself, but then I started helping family and friends and I'm like, wow, I could really do this for a living. And then I I think we both had our experiences with burnout. So it wasn't just the interest in learning, but it was also (laughs) experiencing what chronic fatigue feels like and the Epstein-Barr virus and heavy metal toxicity and all these health issues, I was like, wow, if anyone else is experiencing what I'm experiencing, I have to help people with this. Mm. I mean, I was just, I was so tired in my twenties. And, um, I know I've, I said this, I think on Freddie's podcast was the only time I've really talked about this, but I remember being so tired that I would be driving home and be like, I could just, you know, drive off the road and I don't know, then I can sleep for a while. <laughs> like your mm. brain just like doesn't think logically when you're that exhausted. I was like, whatever I can do to just be able to sleep all day, every day is what I wanted. But anyway, so hitting that rock bottom and having to figure out as a biohacker how to overcome that health challenge was such a learning process. And I was like, I have to help other people that feel this way. So if you're out there struggling with a health issue, like I hear you, I feel you, it's awful. And no one should ever feel that way. And long story long, <laughs> I really got into it. My experience. Yeah. Such a good story, Renee. <laughs> Thanks. What about you, Larry? I don't know. I feel shy to share my story after that. It was so good. Oh my gosh. It was really no, good. I, just, I don't really, I don't know. It's a tough one. I don't really talk about the rock bottom too often, but. Um, oh, it's important. It's really important. Um, yeah, cause that, that was the motivating factor to redirect. So yeah, you never know who's listening and is feeling that way too. So it's empowering and there's a lot of hope and still, are you sharing your story? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I did not go to college for international business, <laughs> um, nor did I go to college for any kind of scientific studies, which I wish that I had, but I just was not interested in that at the time. I went to school for dance because I wanted to be a professional dancer, performer, and I did that. So college was spent learning about my body and working on my body. And when I graduated, I feel like I've told this story on the podcast, but I guess I have no idea who's new out there. So I'll just tell it again. I walked into a New York sports club after I graduated, I wanted a free gym membership because I needed to support my body and stay in shape so that I could dance and not get injured. And so I asked for a job at the front desk. And I guess that I looked like I was in shape. I mean, I was a dancer right out of college. So I was pretty fit at that point. 
and the the fitness manager saw me and I was filling out my application for the front desk and he said, actually, do you want to become a trainer instead? I I don't know. Do I? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. Yeah. He was like, I'll train you. We also have our in-house certification and you can work towards your national certification. So I went through all those steps, became certified, blah, blah, blah. And I just immediately was like, oh my gosh, there's so much to learn so much to learn. So I was really enjoying the learning process and then turning around funneling that and and helping other people. And that just became kind of a lifelong journey. It was training ever since then. And I discovered Paul Check because of the gym, but then discovered that he was so much more than just a fitness trainer. So much more. So much more. Oh my goodness. Just that holistic lifestyle coaching program that we did. And gosh, even since then, he's grown so much as an educator and a leader. But that opened me up into this holistic perspective that, you know, it's not just calories. It's not just the exercises that we do or don't do, but we have to take a holistic approach. And that fits into what we learned from our parents growing up that we need to question and look at the mouth as a window to the rest of the body. And, and we're so grateful that dad offered that perspective to us, but just became more and more curious. And then I had burnout because I was dancing, rehearsing in multiple companies and working multiple jobs, make money in New York, and then started teaching dance cardio, which was just the worst idea for my personality type. It was way too much output, not enough downtime, not enough working in and yeah, experienced burnout. And through that burnout, I discovered FDN, functional diagnostic nutrition and lab testing and getting to the root cause and really personalizing my journey, figuring out what could potentially work for me that, you know, was not, not a cure all, not a one size fits all. It was a deep dive into me and then never looked back. Yeah. And you're great at what you do. Oh gosh. Okay. For those of you listening, <laughs> I feel like we say this all the time. It's like the more we know, the more we know we don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lifelong stop. journey. I'm just so happy to be in this space. It's very fulfilling. And I'm still learning. And I'm just so happy that clients can come along that journey with me. And um also grateful that the cases and the clients that come to me seem to be ones that are interested in things that I've recently taken a deep dive into. So I feel like there's always a step forward, which is nice. Yeah. I think the universe brings you the people that can teach you and that you can Mm -hmm. help at the same time. Totally. And and I just say for anyone that maybe like wants to get into this space, you're like, you know, where do I start and all that? But um, there's so many ways you can get into it. But something that really helped me to learn a lot is working for different doctors like you said, like being exposed to the lab testing and things and getting to the root cause, but just working with other practitioners and learning from them was like exponential knowledge versus what I learned in school. Like school was just like, yeah, just like that was 101 just to like graduate and get out, but it's never ending. And if a practitioner tells you they know everything, uh, run the other way. (laughs) Cause that's impossible. I always remember dad (laughs) told us, told me this story, how I guess he graduated dental school in what mid seventies, I think 76. And he ran into a colleague or a college roommate, whatever, uh, many years later. And dad was like, Oh, you know, what are you doing for continuing education and stuff? And he's like, I'm not doing any of that. I learned everything in school. Wrong answer. Yeah. <laughs> I learned everything in school. He was like, what, what does that even mean? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah I have to right. admit, like after my first national personal training certification I, in that first year or two, I was annoyed that I had to do the continuing education. I mean, I was still in my young twenties. Oh, really? I was like, I did the work, you know, now it's like boots on the ground. I have clients I'm learning through experience. Well, you had, uh, I mean, this is almost any degree certification, whatever you have to do continuing education to maintain your status, which is a really <laughs> important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, young twenties. I'm like, I already learned it, but oh man, I'm so grateful for the push for continued education. You should do it whether it's required or not. Yeah. Unless anyways. Yeah. I mean, those are our personal journeys, how we got into this. And, you know, we always love hearing from you all, whether you're getting into it as a profession or just to live a healthy life. You know, we, we love hearing your stories. And if you do want to be a practitioner, we are more than happy to give recommendations on what programs that 
we think would be good to start with and all of that. So send us yeah. your thoughts, send us your questions. Happy to well, chat. I just had another thought. You were saying how you learned a lot by working with other doctors. I was just talking with my third way friends the other day about mentorship and how mentoring I'm thinking like Mr. Miyagi, <laughs> like how people used to learn, they would just mentor shadow really fully immerse themselves. Like how do you learn a language best? You immerse yourself in that culture. You don't read it out of a textbook or right. whatever audio program. And that's what mentorship really offers. And we were talking about how that doesn't really exist in our educational model so much. And one, I think it's because people are, people around the globe have a lot to offer and digital content is just such an easy, accessible way to learn. And two, I think we've all really started to lead more independent lifestyles and we're very personal. Maybe don't, you know, have more control over our time. and don't want people in our space, but what a huge, like missed opportunity to mentor with someone. So I'm really trying to push myself towards that and, and surround myself with people that I could learn from and not just rely on educational courses and textbooks, because I mean, that will always be invaluable, but I'm searching for my, my Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> and I think that may be Brendan right now, but you know, he I was going to say, so I can't follow him around, but I can at least absorb as much as possible. But yeah. I just think there's so much to learn from, from other people and really attaching yourselves as much as you can without annoying them. <laughs> for sure. I think Brendan is your for the moment. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Anyways, our journeys wrapped up. We got one more question to wrap up today's episode. The question is what has been your biggest health challenge physically or mentally? I have an answer. You want to go first? No, you go. Okay. I'm just going to think more immediately. Acutely, I've had this two year, I guess it, at this point it feels chronic because two years oof, is annoying. I had this shoulder neck pain and as annoying as it is at the end of the day, I reflect, I'm like, this is an opportunity for me to learn what's happening in my body, but also to have kind of a nagging case. Cause I think it really pushes me as a practitioner to step outside the box, zoom out, maybe look at other possibilities. And it, it continues to nag me, which I, I try to thank it. I think my pain teacher is it's, it's communication. Of course I want it to go away, but um, and yeah, in like a weird sense, I, I've made peace with it because it's been a massive learning opportunity. So I feel like I've taken a deep dive into the emotional side, like my masculine and feminine. And I know if you listen to the podcast, you hear me go on and on about this. And that's kind of what spiraled me in that direction, learning about the masculine right side of the body versus the left side feminine. All of my pain tends to be right-sided masculine. So it's like, what is that? There's a massive curiosity around that. Cause if you're only having one-sided pain, generally it's more of an emotional state. So what's happening with masculine relationships in your life? What's your own masculine energy? Is there more doing than being, are you, you know, fitting into a more structured, you know, just driven productive lifestyle, rather like a more feminine creativity flow. You've heard this stuff on the podcast. Anyways, that is something to be considered. So I've done that. I'm remaining open to possibilities. And there has been some emotional work in there as well, which has been really helpful. The point of me telling you this is that there's so many different reasons we can experience pain. And I think you have to keep stepping back and think of the big picture. Because the example is I have this knot. Actually, I don't have it right now. And I'll tell you how I got rid of it. I've had this chronic knot in my trap. And I have massage guns, I have tons of them, and it just feels so good to hammer the crap out of it. Never goes away. It feels good. It's kind of like placebo effect, but nothing, the massage gun's not going to get rid of the knot. Okay. So this is not a localized issue. We just think bigger picture. Maybe am I doing repetitive movement patterns that could be exacerbating a dysfunction, such as being on the bike more often than not, which you all know, I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, could it be a lack of certain movements or mobility? So I'm always like playing with my body and that's why I'm really into mobility. Could it be structural? I started seeing a NUCA, which is a chiropractor that specializes in the upper, upper cervical. It has a really 
if anyone hasn't done, most people haven't done Nuka, but for those of you that have never even heard of this, it's a really minor adjustment. You barely even feel it. Um, basically just like a little bit of pressure on the side of like close to your jaw, which will adjust your Atlas occiput. And then that creates this whole like chain link effect down the spine. Recenters my weight. I tend to put a lot of weight in my right side. I know I'm talking a lot. I'm going to try to wrap this up, but that tiny little adjustment has put me back into place. The only problem is I don't hold on to the adjustment. So that's a big part of it. And I'm so glad that I found the Nuka. I don't know where I'd be without that, but there's another missing piece. The missing piece I realized that I hadn't looked at or experimented with was acupuncture. Like I've been a huge fan of acupuncture my whole life. I started doing it when I was 16 because of an injury. It has, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, saved me in so many situations. And I just kind of got away from it during the pandemic. Like before that I had a regular practice and then, you know, everything shut down. I stopped going and then I didn't find a new practice. Finally went to acupuncture last week. Dad's acupuncturist. He does um, elemental acupuncture, five points. Only put needles in my lower leg, like from the knee down. My neck pain's gone. Wow. I'm not saying acupuncture is the cure all I'm saying it needs to be considered. And the whole point of this is that we have to keep zooming out and just like check all the boxes, structural, emotional, energetic, in this case, like energy meridians, like liver, gallbladder, or kind of stuck, um, movement patterns. And then like, like I started with the emotional, mental stuff, masculine, feminine energies, like some trauma work. There's so many boxes we have to check off. And the biggest takeaway is that pain is a teacher and we have to listen to it and keep questioning, be curious. Yeah. Sorry. That was a really long story. I'm done. That's quite the journey. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I mean, I did a ditto to all that. I would say, I guess just on my side of like a physical thing is, is my left knee It is stubborn as hell. <laughs> yeah. That is my pain point. And like you said, like how you have to zoom out back when I was still dancing, that's when my left knee pain started to be really bad. I mean, I could barely walk. The pain was so bad. And I'm like, I definitely have like a torn ACL or something, a meniscus tear. I know there's something going on. And I went in, I'm like, you have to do an MRI. You have to do an x-ray. There's something wrong with my knee. All the tests came back. They were like, your knee is perfect. Oh, wow. Which made me zoom out. And like, I still can't say I have all the answers. I mean, I think I need to find you know, a good routine of acupuncture, massage therapy, things like that. But like my knee pain, it's actually coming from my hips and my low back, which is where that original injury was of, I had two stress fractures in my SI joint. I had three herniated discs, um, but that's all pulling on my kneecap, but the pain is in my knee, not having back pain. So I think you have to keep trying different things. Acupuncture never really moved the needle, <laughs> the needle. Um, Hilarious. I did not mean to say that. <laughs> oh, I love it. The needles <laughs> did not move the needle for my knee pain. Uh-huh. Um, but but for some people, that is like a game changer. So I appreciate what you're saying. Like you have to keep digging and find what what works for you. So I would say physically, that's my big thing. And then more somewhat mentally, I would say is like the chronic fatigue and the brain fog. Like I just shared all about my journey in my 20s, but don't think that like I solved everything and that's gone. Like I still have to respect my body at a very high level. Like I can't get away with one or two nights of crappy sleep like some people can. I just can't. Mm -hmm. I have to prioritize sleep, you know, watching caffeine intake, watching alcohol intake, not exercising too much, managing my stress, meditating, doing my brain tap. Like I have to balance all of that or I will quickly slide back into where I was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So you know, the target is always moving, I think, to optimize our health. Um, That's a great point. Yeah. It's never ending. (laughs) Why won't it just stay still? (laughs) I checked the boxes. Can we move on? No, I think your body, when you don't respect whatever your body needs specifically, it will find a way to tell you, oh yeah, it'll come back. It will come back. And it makes you very humble to realize that, you know, we're not all super heroes and is anyone? No, we got to do the work and the work is just different for everyone. So for me, more restorative sleep, things like that. Those are the game changers. I have to respect those. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Yes. We Mm -hmm. have lots of health challenges. 
the biohacker babes. Them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We all have them. There's no one out there that's living this perfectly optimized, healthy life. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's always a journey. Anyways, mm-hmm. I think there's nothing left to say. Yeah. Thank you all for listening to our journeys. So we're going to wrap up this Q and a, and just kind of, what do we call these episodes? Fireside chat, <laughs> fireside chat, party platter, party pack. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up. It's always fun to do this. Just you and me nays. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. If you submitted the question and we didn't get to it today, we will get to it next time. I promise. And keep writing to us. Let us know what you want to hear more of. And that is it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.